0: Attention, North Mollywood listeners, don't fast-forward this unless you've heard it before. As of this week, all the MTV podcasts are now coming to you via the Panoply Network. It's a bigger and better distribution platform. It means you're now able to get our shows in places other than iTunes or SoundCloud. Uh, What up to all you Stitcher heads and Google players. Uh, Welcome to the ecosystem. Other than that, it shouldn't impact your life much at all, except that if you've been a subscriber to this or any other MTV podcast through an individual show-specific feed, as opposed to the big MTV feed that brings you all the shows, you're going to need to go back into your podcast provider of choice and resubscribe to your show or shows in order to avoid an interruption of service. It's like when you move and you get the new cable box and you have to reset all the season passes on the DVR. Sorry, thanks in advance for doing that. And also, if you haven't checked out our new shows, Lady Problems and Video Head, you should probably do that too. Now, here's the podcast. From Los Angeles, California, on the MTV Podcast Network, this is North Mollywood. I'm Alex Papadimus, sitting across the table, eerily realistic cactus, Molly Lambert.
1: Hey, I'm a cactus.
0: You're a genetically engineered cactus? very lifelike
1: if you cut me open there's water inside to keep you alive
0: we're gonna talk about westworld today whoop, whoop. i've been waiting to talk about westworld with you molly i've been very excited to do this for your whole life for my whole life not the little did i know i mean we never talked about the yule brenner version either we, we never, are going to we will we will get there i know that you have some you have some beef with yule um you're gonna start a, a thing. it's not
1: beef it's just a disappointment
0: You start a thing with the Yule heads. I'll start a thing
1: with the Yule the Yule Brenner fandom.
0: You're gonna get the Yule hive in your mentions. It's it's real. The Yule hive is real. They're organized, and they they don't have a sense of humor. You do not want to kick that.
1: But first,
0: some space news.
1: Space news.
0: Space news. News from space. We'll drop in a thing like right here as a space
1: news. Space news. So. Sometimes late at night, I like to read space.com and get real scared about what's going on in space. <laughs> when I run out of internet, I'm like, time to read the science internet and see what's actually happening in our universe. So I this is like a terrifying thing that I find very exciting for some reason, because it's fascinating. So as you know, everyone wants to go to Mars. Elon Musk wants to send us all to Mars to colonize it permanently.
0: It's his dream. It's his big dream.
1: It's his big dream is to colonize Mars. And he wants to do it within the next 10 years or something.
0: That is, yeah, right. That's what SpaceX is building towards is that they're going to make a rocket that can get us to Mars. And then we can start terraforming Mars.
1: And it's called Mars to stay (laughs) is the name of the program.
0: Even though it's really, it's technically Mars to go.
1: Yes. But But it's Mars to stay, meaning that people who go there, are not going to come back right they're going to just people who sign up will be signing up to go live on mars not ever return to earth by the time they get to mars they will just uh stay there
0: right you're choosing to be you know it's gentrification but you can't ever move back to where you came from you just yes. have to stay there and enjoy all the new restaurants that you're building you know
1: duckweed is what we'll all be eating on mars apparently
0: Duckweed is is that something that lasts? Is this in the story? This is not. This is (laughs) not not in the story. But I
1: I have heard that this is what we are going to eat on Mars is duckweed because it reproduces in some crazy way that nobody even fully understands. It just totally reproduces like crazy, which I'm sure nothing could go wrong with that.
0: A a constantly reproducing plant. This
1: is the problem with reading
0: science news. If you have read a lot of science fiction is that your brain immediately just goes to, you know about all the things already, but you only know how they can kill you.
1: Well, there's a lot of things that can go wrong in space and on the way to space. But one thing that apparently nobody ever thought about until now is that on the way to Mars... Human beings will be subjected to a huge amount of cosmic radiation that will melt their brains. So by the time we get to Mars, everybody who has gone will have uh, brain damage and then they'll build a new world.
0: The, this colony <laughs> of brain damaged people. Say it, say it with me, Molly. Sp- Space madness. Yeah,
1: it is space. Space madness is real. Space madness. uh, You may know from the Ren and Simpy episode about space madness, but it is a trope of sci-fi that if you spend too long in space, you go crazy because you can't relate to anything anymore. But I think usually it's just like from the psychological pressure. This is literally like your brain's going to melt if you go to Mars.
0: Right. So you will have it'll be the same thing as if you were subjected to a lot of radiation yeah. on Earth. Potentially you could suffer brain damage from yes. something like that. Yeah. it's But it's one of my favorite things that happens in sci fi movies. It's like it's uh, that people go crazy in space for very for, you know, either because they encounter something out there that sort of caught an external force that causes them to go. What's crazy. it called? Like
1: an outside context event, something you just have no reference point for. So it makes you go crazy like
0: the movie event horizon yes uh with the spaceship that goes to, is that the one with the spaceship that goes through hell
1: like uh, the, a i think to it's hell. hell i believe it's hell
0: yeah it's like a it's like space hell you know and then there's the uh, sunshine
1: sunshine also
0: love sunshine
1: i love sunshine
0: Huge sunshine fan me too and i'm gonna say sunshine people are against the third act of sunshine which no, involves space it's madness fine.
1: it's a Come fine on. third act it's fine also everybody stole the sunshine lens player thing like, it was cool in Sunshine when they did all the lens flares, and then they did it in, like, Star Trek and those movies. Yeah, and they still the, like, the theme yeah, music cool. for everything, too. Yeah. That movie I, is widely I, love Sunshine. I think Sunshine. I think of it as, like, 2001 is the LSD space movie, and then Sunshine is the ecstasy space movie. Wow. It's, like, the raveriest space movie ever, because it's Danny Boyle. There you go. It's like, the Madchester, space Madchester.
0: Choose boots, choose a helmet, (laughs) choose a life support system. Uh, So
1: I'm going to read to you from an actual science article on LiveScience.com, which is my, my science news source sometimes. Bring it. A new study in rodents shows that astronauts could suffer from a phenomenon called space brain during the long trip to Mars as cosmic radiation bombards their bodies and damages their brain cells. Researchers found that radiation caused significant long-term brain damage, including cognitive impairments and dementia. And that was in six weeks of exposing them to radiation. This is not positive news for astronauts deployed on a two- to three-year round trip to Mars, said Charles Limoli, a professor of radiation oncology at UC Irvine, who led the study. Live Science said that NASA is funding such studies to better understand the risks posed to its astronauts. Astronauts in space face two kinds of radiation hazards. One is the solar radiation from the sun. The other is cosmic radiation, which emanates from all directions in deep space and comprises atomic particles far more energetic and thus more damaging than solar radiation. There are almost no studies so far that have looked at this. So I love that they got so far along in the let's go to Mars process before anybody said, how are our brains going to do on the trip? Oh, they're going to melt? Whoops. How are we going to deal with that?
0: It's interesting, too. I mean, it's interesting that we didn't pick it up when we were sending people to the moon. Like, why didn't we? Oh, here we go. There's a reason. Okay.
1: There's a protective magnetosphere. Earth has a natural magnetic field that deflects charged atomic particles from the sun in deeper space. And it mostly protects astronauts on board the orbiting labs from dangerous radiation exposure. So most astronauts do not have brain damage because the Earth magnetosphere has protected them. Uh, Astronauts who visited the moon ventured beyond the protective magnetosphere, but their entire round trip lasted only two weeks. So radiation exposure was kept to a minimum. But this is you would be up for two or three years of just just straight up
0: sleeping in a bunk. Yeah. Absorbing radiation, getting crazier.
1: The radiation affected the part of the brain that normally suppresses prior unpleasant and stressful associations as part of a process called fear extinction. The loss of fear extinction could make the astronauts prone to anxiety.
0: This has activated the part of my brain that creates bad ideas for spec scripts. (laughs) Um, And it is called fear extinction.
1: Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought "event fear extinction" is the new "event horizon."
0: Yeah, I mean, can you not see "fear extinction" two like going straight to video? Also, like, I was like, know.
1: I've never heard of "fear extinction" as a concept, but I love it. It's the idea that just like everything's terrifying, but your brain starts to put barriers in place so you forget that. And then if you're in space, and the radiation melts those dendrites enough, all of a sudden you're like. Holy shit, I'm in space.
0: This is not, by uh, the way, this is not going to stop any of those Elon Musk type dudes. It's not. They will love the idea of fear extinction. And they'll be like, fear extinction is the key to everything. We've be super ultimate badasses. Override
1: fear extinction. With we are our- got
0: to disrupt space.
1: Space disrupts you. <laughs> that's how it works Word. this is a Werner Herzog movie you do not disrupt space
0: no that's the whole like that's why like, yeah it's like that's why Solaris the original Solaris is so great it's a movie hey. about how space like will space will get you like yeah. it'll just you should not we shouldn't go into space for no other reason than like existentially we will not be able to well I
1: mean it. it is a thing that I think about is like we you know it's all theoretical space psychology how people are gonna deal with the idea of being in space forever We have no just guidebook for that. There's no, here's what you do when you get homesick for your planet that you can never return to. Although I imagine this happened to pioneers, such as those who go to a theme park called Westworld.
0: Oh, here we go. Uh, There's a transition.
1: (laughs) We're going to take a break first, though, and we will be back to discuss the fear extinction of Westworld.
0: So yeah, we were just saying off mic that if you listen to the show and you don't know what the plot of Westworld is, like kind of what you're doing, I don't know. But Westworld is based on the 1973 movie written and directed by Michael Crichton and starring Yul Brynner. This version was adapted for TV by Jonathan Nolan of the Chris Nolan Nolans and Lisa Joy. It takes place in and around a futuristic amusement park where tourists pay to visit an immersive recreation of an old west town populated by incredibly lifelike androids known as hosts. You can go on adventures, hunt for treasure bandits, and if you so choose, you can also have sex with or kill any of the hosts you want. The AIs are DTF. The story begins just after the park's creator, the John Hammond figure Robert Ford, played by Anthony Hopkins, slips some code into the host's core programming. supposed to make their behavior more realistic, but ends up giving them the capacity for something like memory. They can recall past traumas. Uh, The show seems like it's going to be about the consequences of that act and what happens as the virus of wokeness spreads throughout the park. Um, Spoilers abound ahead if you have not watched the two episodes of this show. It's going to be three by the time you hear this, uh, that are already out. Um, Molly, did you enjoy Westworld?
1: I did enjoy <laughs> Westworld. Uh, I enjoyed the second episode more than the first episode. I also am very wary of hating a thing that everybody likes. And so I'm trying to be an open-minded person in general more. But I also, I'm just, uh, I'm so interested in everything Westworld is about. I love the original Westworld, the 70s Westworld. So I've been stoked about this since, since they announced it. And then I got a little less stoked when I found out a Nolan brother was involved. And everything I don't like about it is, is the Nolan-y stuff. But it's very hard to fuck up the concept, which is, you know, theme parks, robots, consciousness, all things I care about.
0: I kind of think the old one's boring. Like, no disagreeing it's with not you. boring. I, I always, I have watched it. I try to watch it again. I was like, Oh wait, this is boring. And I kind of, I, I, I that, that was a good thing because I always feel like they should reboot things that have a great concept, but a poor execution. But it was a
1: dry run for Jurassic park. Yes. And what concerned me about the pilot was that it seemed sort okay. So in the movie Westworld, it's called Westworld, but you can actually pick if you want to go to Old West Land, Medieval Land, or uh, Ancient Rome.
0: Right. It's like Disneyland. Uh, yeah. It has the different, it's got lands different lands within it. And you go to the Delos Resort and you can kind of go visit uh, right Roman World.
1: So my concern with the first episode of Westworld was that it didn't seem to sort of engage with the idea that it was in the Old West that much. I was kind of like, oh, this could just be Medieval World or Ancient Roman World. That's not... The point is not that it's the Old West. And then the second episode, well, also the first episode had no Native American characters. And so I was kind of like, huh, are they just going to not engage with that aspect of Old West mythology at all?
0: Or, Or of the Western. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Of the genocide. But then in the second episode, they sort of do. And... I was in enough on the second episode that I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna watch this. I'm definitely gonna watch it because it doesn't take place in medieval times." So I'm in.
0: So you're already it's 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 cleared one big hurdle for
1: you. Well, I like westerns. I care about westerns way more than I care about medieval stuff. So I'm just have a baseline of being interested in a you know, and just everything I'm interested in. It's like theme parks and androids and the old west.
0: Simulacra. Yeah, it's it is pretty much yeah. It could not be more. Made for you in many ways.
1: Yeah. So if I'm if I get annoyed at it, it's because it's like I have such high expectations for what you must do with the concept of Westworld.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's interesting because it's definitely like we were. You know, we had uh, the the Chris's from *Halt and Catch Fire* in here last week, and we were talking about that show and you know the way that that show has evolved over three and now the fourth season that's uh, you know about to or that they're going to get to make that that's a show that. Is about many things, but maybe took a minute to figure out what it really was going to be about, like the what the big theme it was going to be looking at. Like you don't really know from watching the pilot of that show where it's going to go and what it intends to be about. And this like is like lays out a bunch of stuff right away. And like it's just it's like taking the big swings at all of these. However, subjects,
1: having gone through the lost experience.
0: Yeah, I am
1: like not at all depending on there being some sort of greater plan.
0: Yeah, well, exactly. I had that feeling. Watching these two, because I've watched both of them now twice. So I've watched the entire, or the first two twice through. Ve- feels very lost. I feel that same feeling. I am on the Reddits. I am on all of the things. I am looking at all, like, I am I'm th- reading the theories. And look, there is normally nothing I hate more than a fan theory blog post of any kind.
1: This is I a good ever, fan theory show.
0: Th- this really is like... They put stuff, like they put it in there for you like and it's I can all there. feel
1: that it's like that first season of True Detective thing where like the most fun part is going to be the part when all the possibilities are open, which is right now when you're like, everyone's a robot, probably, you <laughs> right. know,
0: and you don't know yet for sure yeah. that like, And my
1: my least favorite part is Anthony Hopkins giving long monologues about the nature of of humanity. That's the most like Nolany part and I care the least about that.
0: Right. Old older British actor expository. Yeah, why the are there so many themes? goddamn British
1: people in this show? It makes no sense. I always think of Nolan as being British. He's British, He's but British, like right? it's the old West. Why is everyone fucking British?
0: Well, it's because nobody loves the, you know, the old West like a person who, you know, the British person. You
1: know like who people. loves the old West is Germans.
0: <laughs> <It's> <laughs> very Do you? weird. Really?
1: Yeah. But yeah, I don't I don't know that I'm like Expect it, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the journey, as they might say.
0: So, did you have you seen that thing? I know that I'm just now just reading stuff off of Reddit, which is podcast gold. No, Every I do time. not
1: know about this fan theory. Tell me the
0: the theory, the one that I'm going with is so. There's a couple of different things happening on this show. There's a million characters. There's all of these characters, on, like outside who run the park. You know, it's the world. That's where Anthony Hopkins and Jeffrey Wright, the all these people are out there, sort of supervising this. But then there are. A couple of different protagonists within the West world itself. And there's a theory that there's the Ed Harris character who's going around doing all kinds of mayhem in the park and killing robots. He's a guest, kind of, right? He is a, apparently he's like a
1: professional guest.
0: Yeah, people are like, oh, he's he's Yul Brenner. He's the man. He's the because he's dressed in black the way Yul Brenner is right, in the and movie. And he's bald. And he's bald. And they're like, oh, that must he must be playing the Yul Brenner. Like the idea in this is that they've taken this sort of the Yul Brenner antagonist figure from the first one, and now he's a human who's preying on.
1: Um. Also, he's the hero the of androids. Westworld, the movie. Yes. If you are on Team Robot, which I obviously am, and I assume you're supposed to be on the show also.
0: Well, this one, I think it's weird because the first one is almost like you could root for the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park if you wanted to. Of course I
1: root for the dinosaurs. it's cool. What kind of dumb humans make dinosaurs and then think they aren't going to get it?
0: Right. You want to (laughs) see. Yes. You want to see. Exactly. They deserve it. But this one makes it really like unambiguous. I think that we are supposed to be on the side of these, you know, these. The robots. Robots as they attain sentience and become human. Well, I mean.
1: I mean, I know you're supposed to hate him, but I hate the guy who is building the narrative or whatever. And some of the more annoying things about the show are the things that remind me of Inception. Yes, that guy. The guy who's like, "What kind of." I don't know I can't do an impression of him but I hate him
0: you're supposed to hate him you're supposed he's a, to
1: hate him and as soon as he starts talking you're like oh I can't wait for this guy to get murdered by a robot <laughs> Yeah, no, it's gonna be so glorious
0: it's a long list but so there's the, there's the there's the Ed Harris there's all these people but then there's like there's Ed Harris going through the park and then there's Jimmy Simpson and his yeah. friend uh, the, the, the the guy's name is the, the Simpsons character's name is William and he his is a his name
1: is Jimmy Simpson his yeah. name is
0: guy from House of Cards
1: fuck no guy from Zodiac
0: that too yeah. right he's the victim from from Zod- he's the What's survivor name? from Zodiac? Zodiac. I
1: can't think of it, but yeah, the guy who I- IDs. The he's on all the, that, always
0: sunny. He's a recurring. He's a good. Park. He's a good actor. He's good, and he's good in this. And so you're watching him negotiate the park as you're watching Ed Harris do his thing. And there's a theory based on, in part, of, in the large part on like the two different shots of the entryway of Westworld when you see different people going in, and the, that mall being in a different condition. That it's actually two different timelines. That we are with Jimmy Simpson. We are at one point in the future and that Ed Harris is further into the future or in the past. Like that's one of the, you know, or, you know, a different future Are
1: giving me space brain. Right I'm now.
0: starting to get space madness.
1: Uh, one thing I, I want to like focus on the positive. So I'm not being stranger things on Westworld, but one thing that does annoy me about Westworld is that it seems like all the men are in creative roles and all the women are in administrative roles
0: that's that's true that is true and it
1: sucks well you do have why can't like i just hate that it's like why couldn't i don't know why couldn't a woman want to build a robot well the one there's the one the woman
0: who works uh, who's like jeffrey wright's kind of uh, second she's, in the robot thing she's supposed to be some brilliant programmer like she she's sucks, a creative though. in the sense of being a programmer she sucks well we'll see
1: well i mean she just reminded me of the bryce dallas howard character from jurassic world who sucks
0: Yeah, there is a little bit of that. Because that's the thing is like
1: Jurassic World sucked so bad and Jurassic Park 2 and 3 suck so bad. So it's not like just having a cool concept makes for a good thing. Like you could have dinosaurs in a theme park and really fuck it up like Jurassic World did. You know, it's not like inherently interesting if you do it badly.
0: No. Although the problem with those also is that they you have to believe the this unbelievable thing, which is that they would do it ever again. Well, four
1: times.
0: (laughs) They'd be like, no, no, no.
1: But I mean, we want to send people to space, even though their brains are going to melt. People want to do dumb things. Uh, I also am always like waiting for the Jurassic Park movie. That's just about the park functioning perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, that's just like, I want to know just like, where do the employees sleep at night and stuff like that.
0: You want the workplace sitcom. Yeah. This happens to be set at Jurassic Park. Pretty much. And everything is going fine.
1: And then I also started to develop a fan theory about all the j- dinosaurs in Jurassic Park being animatronic. Wow. Which by the way, there is an animatronic dinosaur thing right now at the LA zoo and I haven't been to it at the LA Zoo yet, but I saw it at the New Orleans Zoo, and it was one of the scariest things I have ever seen in my life.
0: For, like, uncanny valley reasons? For uncanny
1: valley reasons, and also because it's like, when you see real animals, you know, they sometimes are, like, like there's a bear at the zoo. You see the bear, the bear just kind of, like, sits there and sort of, like, moves its head back and forth a little bit. Like, it's not always doing crazy action. So... These dinosaurs are just kind of like, they just move very slightly and they'll just like move back and forth a little bit. And it's terrifying because it, it feels scary. It feels like they're going to eat you.
0: Because they don't stay still.
1: Yeah, because they don't stay still and they like look at you and it's terrifying. <laughs> I'm, one of them spits water at you. Well, That's the scariest one. No, thank you. No, you should do it. Got to do it. It's <laughs> so good. So frightening. We'll be right back. I have a
0: big fan theory as well. All right, here's my thing. Hot take, hot takes. Uh, this is a meta show about HBO Hold itself. Duh. Oh, about HBO in particular, though, it takes up the questions uh, about historically and dramatically necessary violence that people have been asking around all of these like difficult man shows since the dawn of that era of TV. And you even have in episode two, you meet these two guys, Jimmy Simpson and his uh, bro douche bro friend or or, Ben
1: Barnes, right?
0: Ben Barnes
1: is how he says his own name because he's British.
0: And here's these guys who are paying for the experience of being in his, in, you know, Ben Barnes case, like an ant, an antihero. Like they choose, you know, everybody chooses whether it be a white hat or a black hat. And it's almost like, that's the experience of like, you're paying for your pay cable so that you can like have a nuanced experience with like Tony Soprano or Walter White or Don Draper. Like what's it like to be kind of a shitty guy? You know, like what's like
1: probably pretty fun.
0: Yeah. It's probably really enjoyable that you get to go and do all the stuff you want to do live it up in, in this context. It's like, context in which you can do things that maybe you can't do in life you know so you see like all like you have a glimpse of that in terms of both sex and violence and all of those things but yeah like i mean there's you have that guy that we were talking about that british dude who's like the writer and he's very much the guy who is coming to like anthony hopkins is like is the you know the head of hbo i guess and like Little British Joseph Gordon-Levitt is like some guy coming to with just something that's the next step beyond Game of Thrones, right? Something just violent and bloody that's really nasty. Well, he's also coming
1: up with like the big expensive ideas. And then Shannon Woodward's character has to come in and be like, we can't afford that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's the bottom line person. I like her a lot. Yeah. I mean, I got to say my favorite parts of the show are all the ladies down for Evan Rachel Wood really she's, into Tandy Newton.
0: She's really good. Yeah, they're really good, but they're always really good.
1: I know, but it's like, if they weren't good, I don't know that the show would be as engaging as it is to me.
0: No, yeah, you have. Well, exactly. And like, especially those characters could be, you could know, be bad. Just it could be. They're supposed to be constructs, obviously, but if yeah. they were all if they didn't like transcend that. It's hard. I think they have to do some sort of difficult, some difficult things because they got to play flat and manipulated and like having their emotions kind of cranked up and turned down and, you know, all that stuff. It's difficult. I really, I like, uh, I, I don't, I wrote down her name and then didn't bring the notebook in here, but, um, the actress who plays the, the kind of the, the corporate person in the Delos, uh, scenes. She's That's Danish. No, 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 I'm not talking, I'm not talking about the programmer. I'm talking about, uh, like Jeffrey Wright's boss. Oh, uh, she's a Danish actress and she is in the pilot version of dogville that Lars von Trier did, uh, to see if the dogville that would work to shoot a movie like dogville style. Um, so, what
1: and, about just Dogville as a companion piece to Westworld? Just a yeah. Dogville TV show.
0: It, well, it's yeah. kind of the same. That is what like Denmark would build. They would build a Dogville that you can go into to reckon with, like you know, like human cruelty. And we did this. We we built apparently like the sort of you know thrillist death park.
1: <laughs> so I'm obsessed with Westworld. The idea, because yeah. for whatever reason, a lot of theme parks have old west parts of them. And uh, Disneyland specifically does. So I assumed that Westworld was based on Frontierland, which is the Old West part of Disneyland. And uh, Disneyland, much like Westworld, is always changing rides around, moving things around, and doing a thing that they did on Westworld that made me really excited, which is the idea that you use old androids and reprogram them for new storylines.
0: Right, which is part of the problem when they start to remember stuff. They remember a yeah. different, like, not just like, past, past lives. old
1: storyline. Um, because they do that at Disneyland, which is crazy because you think of them as like, oh, they just have an endless amount of money and they're just going to build new droids for every ride. That's the other thing is animatronics are robots you know we call them animatronics but what they are is like trying to be realistic looking human robots
0: right I love when uh, that scene with Hopkins in the pilot where he's having a drink with the the one that's very clearly like just a step up from the Lincoln at Disneyland yeah. you know, the old prospector and like he's like he's a good listener and he, but he's very much like mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. well I'm waiting for them to get into because it seems like a real Nolan, Nolan boys thing to bring up the mechanical Turk who was the first uh, android built ever yeah who uh, can play chess and beat you at chess.
0: Right. It's the forerunner of the, the touring test. It's yeah. The idea but I think it's also, it test. was a
1: hoax. Maybe I think there was maybe somebody in the cabinet who like was controlling it.
0: Yeah. It's the idea of artificial intelligence is being invented in that moment, but not the actual thing.
1: Yeah. And I am, you know, as, as much as I can be, I'm, I'm kind of into steampunk. I'll, I'll go there. I kind of into all the steam powered, you know, turn of the century weirdness. Which uh, Westworld obviously also is
0: touches on yeah touches on it a little bit. I, I like that too. I mean, I I, I you know as a, as a subculture, I'm not a, you know a big fan of it. As I'm not of of a lot of. But things you're like into
1: that. the things that it's about.
0: I'm into the idea of those like yeah like the world where technologies that should not be together. Uh, Are together which is why there's something just sort of like there's a the visceral aspect of like i like the idea of like here is a wild west town and then underneath it or above it or wherever we don't know anything like if it's a satellite or what like we don't know where they actually are in relation to each other but there's also the technological world and then the you know the low tech
1: just love automatons okay so westworld is all about crazy twists we assume the original westworld is very straightforward because it's just kind of like a guest goes to the park. It's Richard Benjamin, right?
0: It's Richard Benjamin and uh, James Rowland. Yeah, yeah.
1: they go to the park and then uh, the robots go crazy. Most people probably know about it at this point from the Itchy and Scratchy Land episode of The Simpsons, which is just a straight on Westworld parody. Uh, Westworld was also the first movie to show something from a robot's point of view with that thing we all now know as being a robot's point of view, like the Terminator thing with the screen. That was the first movie where anyone ever did that. But Yul Brenner plays the main bad cowboy, the black hat, the gunslinger is his character's name. And my whole life, I thought Yul Brenner was Asian, because he apparently lied about being Asian for a long part of his career. He is Russian, but he said that he was part Mongolian. And I just believed it because he stars in The King and I. It just never occurred to me that he was a, a white Russian person pretending to be Asian, even though that happened a lot in 60s movies. Um, so part of the reason I was excited about Westworld was I was like, all right, I hope they have an Asian cowboy lead yeah. in homage to Yul Brenner. And then I looked up Yul Brenner and found out that he is not Mongolian. He was just that was just like a thing he put in his bio early on to try and seem more you know, interesting than just a, a Russian guy or to play sort of Asian roles, which is insane.
0: You know, all right. In fairness to Yul Brenner, this was back when like publicists probably wrote the bios, and made up stuff in the bios, but, but fuck Yul Brynner.
1: Well, I mean, this is like part of the reason I always loved Westworld is because I was like, oh, it's so progressive. Right. It has an Asian lead as the bad guy who's a cowboy. And, you know, I, I know Westworld, the show uh, has a little bit of diversity, but it's a little bit too white. Every time they introduce new characters, they seem to be white. And it is annoying because it's the future and you can build a world from scratch. It doesn't have to look like any other world.
0: I don't know, but I feel like a bunch of uh, rich white people uh, going to a world uh, you know, very expensive vacation in a Western. I feel like they would not care. I feel like it's realistic because I feel like these are supposed to be bad people doing bad
1: things. I guess. Well, I'm also curious to see where they go with the Native American stuff and the the old tiny Mexican town. Um, yep. But this is a, a special Disneyland tip. Disneyland used to have a Native American village part of it. That was like a a major part of Frontierland that they obviously scrubbed eventually because it became not politically correct anymore. But there's a bunch of stuff from it still in the park and you can't currently go on the steamship on the Mark Twain, which goes around the park because they're building star Wars land and they don't want you to see the construction. So you cannot currently take the boat around the park, but when they reopen it and you take the Mark Twain around the rivers of America, there are a bunch of Native American animatronics that they take you by. And it's very clear that it used to be more central in the park. And now they kind of hid them away in a secret corner. But I also like love that aspect of the second episode of Westworld when they're like, the great thing about Westworld is you always find something new that you've never seen before. Because that is what also what I like about Disneyland is sometimes you wander in a store and you're like, where did this come from? This wasn't here last time. And it wasn't. So there's always new things secret rooms in the winchester mystery house of the mind
0: i'm hoping that this show will be the same way i have i'm i'm very optimistic i'm just There'll excited to
1: talk about it all the time with you
0: to discover yeah no i think this will this will become a west world podcast yeah which is fine blessed know. world blessed world. <laughs> and come back that. next
1: time when alex and i will be reprogrammed into totally different characters
0: who appreciate Yul Brenner for his great contributions to the field of acting.
1: I mean, he's a good actor. He's, uh, he's all right. Magnificent Seven's a good movie. It's, it's true. That's why they put him in Westworld. See you next week. Also, that's Steve Malkmus' song.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> this episode of North Mollywood was produced by Michael Kitano,
0: Mukta Mohan, and Kasia Mihailovic for the MTV Podcast Network. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at MTV Podcasts, And subscribe to this and other MTV podcasts wherever you find your favorite shows.